Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody, and once again, welcome back to We Watched a Thing. You got Billy here, and as always, I'm joined by Toph. How you doing, buddy? Very well, sir. How are you? I'm excellent. Any fitter, I'd be. Actually, that's not true. I've been sick as a dog. Yeah, you're still sick. I'm really, I'm really sick. Get away which, from me. Which brings us to our next point. Where we didn't watch Hellboy. <laughs> No, we did not. For multiple reasons. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to get out to the cinema in my condition anyway. And you were, and we were scared off by reviews that it's were supposedly atrocious. I mean, its Metacritic score is four less than Venom. So, <laughs> well, Venom wasn't bad. You, you so. might have thought it was. <laughs> I might have loved it. Only, only pretty good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we did promise we were watching Hellboy last week. We that, lied. That didn't happen. We lied. What did we watch instead, mate? We watched Brie Larson's directorial debut, yes. Unicorn Store. Store of Unicorns. Yep. Which All she right. made a couple of years ago and was floating around some festivals. Is that a true fact? Yeah, it didn't get picked up for theatrical release, but Netflix was like, we'll have it. That's interesting. I just assumed that she made it as a bit of like a side project while filming Captain Marvel, and that's why Sam Jackson was kicking about. That was my first thought, but I think it was actually made in 2017. That's amazing. That's- so, how they got Sam Jackson is- That's legit amazing. Unicorn Store, you are correct. 2017 American fantasy comedy film directed and co-produced by Brie Larson in her featured debut from a screenplay by Samantha McIntyre. It stars Larson, Sam Jackson, Joan Cusack, Bradley Whitford, Karen Sony, Mamudu Athi, Mary Holland and Hamish Linklater. What an absolute delight to see Whitford and Cusack. <laughs> There together. I know. I mean, they're just such great people. To see them there as a couple was it was pretty magical. I was anytime they were on screen together, I was just like, I'm so happy. I know. In a movie that's literally about buying unicorns, the most magical thing is on screen is Bradley Whitford and Joan Cusack. I love Joan Cusack. She's just a miracle, isn't she? Like, granted her screen time in high fidelity is about ninety seconds. It's Oscar. Definitely. It should have had an Oscar. Yeah, it's one of the best short performances in a film ever. You fucking asshole. (laughs) All right. Let's get into this film, though. Straight up, what did you think? Straight up, I thought, wait, if this is in 1990, then she'd be younger than this. (laughs) I still have those moments where I don't realise how long ago 1990 was. Oh, you mean the footage of her as a baby? Yeah. Exactly. But then I was like- no, that checks out. Yeah, she's younger than us. <laughs> and 1990 was now. No, it's not 10 years ago anymore. 29 years ago, my friend. <laughs> Damn it. Long time. <laughs> um, but what did I think of it broadly? I enjoyed my time on the couch. Yes, it's an interesting thing for me. I think with this movie, I both enjoyed it more than I should, while simultaneously not enjoying it as much as I thought I did. <laughs> Okay. I know that that's great. You are strange. an enigma wrapped in a riddle, my friend. Wrapped in a lot of fat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. And I, do, I don't think it's a great movie, though, in a lot of ways, which is why I say that I think I enjoyed it more than I probably should. At the same time, I'm a sucker for indie films. I'm a sucker for surrealist films. And I think I was expecting it to be- to lean into that a little bit more, a little bit more. Like this is not Charlie Kaufman and, and Michelle Gondry. I shouldn't have been expecting like Eternal Sunshine or being John Malkovich or something really kind of out there like that. But I think just from the premise, I thought it would be less grounded in reality than it was. Which kind of so there were moments I didn't love just due to the fact I think I was expecting more. I um 
and maybe you're on a, a similar wavelength here, that I enjoyed the minute-to-minute experience of watching the film- More than the- More yeah. than what I think, like, that goes beyond how good I think the movie is. Yes, I agree. Yeah, definitely. But straight off the bat, I think it was a really good film and a, and a strong directorial debut. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's funny that, like you mentioned before, indie production, I'm not sure- what the budget was on this, but we can assume it's not a, it wasn't a huge production. Yeah. Given that it's a, you know, I don't know, quirk, quirky's not quite the right word, but a little, yeah. you know, kind of offbeat yeah. indie thing. So let's, let's assume it didn't have a massive budget. One of the things now with the accessibility of truly excellent cameras is that indie films don't look like indie films anymore. When you have something like Francis Ha, which looks like an indie film. Yeah. I think there's actually something advantageous about that. Like, I'm watching it and I'm like, and this is a weird thing to think. I'm sitting there going, because it's a really good looking film. And it's a great looking film. The cinematographer on this project has done some big things. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, I, I think this movie looks too good. I agree. I think the cinematography is fantastic. The lighting, the, just the colour palette in general. I think there's a lot of strong visual elements there that are stronger than other elements of the film. And I agree. I think going for more of that- Let's look at Clerks I was, gonna, I was about to say, look, it doesn't need to be Clerks. Yeah. But- and I think that that is where Kevin Smith has actually been quite smart. If you look at, for example, Clerks 2, he's gone in between there. He's, he's beyond the Clerks budget now. He doesn't need to sell his comic book collection. But he, he hasn't made Clerks 2 look like, for example, Cop Out. He's very specifically kept it to an indie look, which is a really smart thing to do. And I think you're right. I think it would have been advantageous in this scenario if they'd done something similar. Maybe the most enjoyment I get out of the film is just sitting there having the dialogue hit me. I love a lot of the the little interactions. Things like when when Brie Larson rolls it, when her character rolls into the the hardware shop and she just just blurts out this, I'm in the market for some lumber. And something about the scene and her delivery, yeah, I just find utterly delightful. Yes. Delightful is, I think, probably the only word to really describe this movie is that it is a delightful experience. Yeah. When, when she takes, um, when she shows off, when, well, she's trying to show off the unicorn store. Yeah. And she says, don't be scared. And he says, well, I wasn't before you said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right. I think the dialogue is great. But also the acting across the board in this is fantastic. Brie Larson- I adore her. She just is so charming and it's amazing to me to watch this film and see her play up more of that kind of fun side, which you don't get a lot of in Captain Marvel. And when it does shine through, it is really endearing, but it's amazing to see that difference in performance here where she's not trying to be that hard ass. And yeah, she's just so delightful. And I loved Jack, the the hardware store guy. I thought he was Virgil. Sorry, Virgil. I'm thinking about the gag at the start of the movie where she says, you look more like a Jack or a Fox. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, I actually badly want to be friends with Kit and Virgil. Yeah. I badly want to be friends with them. Yep. I get that. I don't even need to, I don't need to be part of the conversation. I can just be <laughs> just these weirdos sit sitting there at the table, just enjoying the fact that I'm there with them. Yeah. That'd be fine. Yep. Uh, elsewhere in the cast, I thought Hamish Linklater was hilarious as Gary. As, as the, the boss. The arch creeper. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, he he was very funny, actually. And he had a lot of funny dialogue, too. That scene where they first meet and he was like, did you Google my name before you started here? Someone with my same name has done some very bad things. (laughs) (laughs) He's such a dick. Yeah. But he leans into it brilliantly. Yeah. And it's moments like that for me that I really enjoy, where this film really just grips its nails into that- complete surrealism where it's like we're not trying to portray a real workplace here this isn't over the top none of the characters are quite like they're the moments of the film that i really loved when it was just like we are being quirky i think if it had kept that tone through the whole film i think i would have liked it more it reminded me a lot of have you seen the australian film the rage in placid lake i haven't it's a great movie and it reminded me a lot of that in tone and stuff. That's another kind of quirky, surreal film where he's a like a, a dirty hipster. His parents are both dirty hipsters. And to rebel, he goes and takes this job at, similar to what Kit does at like a temp agency. And it's, it's, it's very funny. Ben Lee told a friend of mine that he was talking about learning to ride a motorbike. For, for that film. For yeah. the film. And then he saw the film and saw Ben Lee on a scooter <laughs> was and was say- like- what the fuck is this, Ben? <laughs> That's not a motorbike. What is it you were struggling with? Isn't it funny, though, how when you see someone on a motor scooter in a movie, you know it's a quirky movie? That's true. <laughs> it's like Garden State. You see him riding that little motor scooter with the sidecar. You're like, I know what this movie is now. <laughs> yep. Really, that was just a story about the fact that I've got one degree of separation from Ben Lee. Yeah, I knew what you were doing. (laughs) (laughs) Does that mean that you're only two degrees of separation from Claire Danes? Quite correct. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, that friend, when Ben Lee told my friend that story, just to make this all about me now, (laughs) via my friend. I think I I know where you're going. I think I've heard this before. They were backstage at a Ben Lee gig because he was dating Ben Lee's cousin and Claire Danes was there too. Am I dreaming about some story? Was this friend- I want to say that they were invited to a dinner party at Claire Days' house or something that never actually happened. Am I dreaming this? I think you're making that I up. I want to say there's something about Claire Days' birthday involved. No? That was a dream. I'm just making this up. That was a dream. Crazy. <laughs> uh, but Ben Lee's not in this movie. No, no he's not. <laughs> Though he wouldn't be completely out of place. Wouldn't be out of place. I, You know, I was really surprised. Like, we've touched on them a little, but I was really surprised when Bradley Whitford- popped up um but they were so wonderfully cast as her parents and the dynamic that they had with kit was really really wonderful like you knew that they cared about her and you could see why she conflicted with her parents and yet you could you could feel the love it was a really nice dynamic and i like that moment in the scene when they're out on camp yeah when she's been saying don't you realize this is all a load of rubbish yeah yeah. and he says yeah we know yeah we thought we knew the parents, and it turns out that, like Kit, we didn't completely get them. Yeah. And it was, it was a nice little scene. I tell you what honestly does need a lot of mystical, I don't know if helps the word, intervention, upright vacuum cleaners. Why are <laughs> yeah. they even a thing? Yeah. She's right to go full magic on them, because to make that, to make that in any way a desirable object- Yeah. Upright, upright vacuum cleaners are the worst. You know what she was right to do was to go full Ghostbusters on it, strap it on your back. That's how a vacuum cleaner should be, my friend. So yeah. Evenly weight distributed. You just walk around. Don't feel a thing. It's like wearing a backpack. That's uh, how they should be. Upright vacuum cleaners. Oh, upright are just as bad as the stupid little wheelie things, you know? That's what I got. Mine's awesome. Oh, I got one of them too. Like, it does a good job. Doesn't mean it's fun to use. 
If you strap it on your back and you feel like a Ghostbuster, it's instantly more fun. I thought about using it yesterday. <laughs> Didn't. You, you chose right. <laughs> like, instantly more fun to pretend you're a Ghostbuster. Anything strapped on your back is more fun than not strapped on your back. Tell you how good Brie Larson is. Yep. And maybe maybe because I haven't seen Room, I and I did have I I have a high opinion of Brie Larson, but maybe I didn't realize quite how good she is because she makes talking to a unicorn work, and it's actually really emotional. I cried at the end. I bet you did. I cried in that final scene where she's talking to the unicorn. Fun fact: also, the woman that she passes on the street outside, who's on her way to now get the unicorn, screenwriter. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that's Samantha McIntyre who wrote the wrote the film. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What would your store be? I was going to ask you this too. That was one of my first notes. How fun are we? <laughs> yeah, so what if you, like if you could tangibly buy happiness, what would it be? I did it yesterday. What what'd you buy? I was at the microbrewery. <laughs> happiness comes right out of the tap. Your unicorn store would be like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, but for beer. Yeah. You just like swim around in rivers of beer and splash about fizzy lifting drink. Yep. <laughs> it's real. Yep. It exists. It, it's out there. Alcohol will fix your problems. <laughs> I reckon mine would be like the Nintendo shop. So yours is tangible as well. well I've got mine. <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice if I didn't have like if it was just handed to me by Sam Jackson, who was like, yo, motherfucker, have this. That'd be great. Also, your kids won't interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the unicorn store is a place you can just go for like five days straight and not have kids. <laughs> One of the reasons I think my minute to minute enjoyment of the film goes beyond how good I think the film is, is that I'm not entirely sure I'm on board with this being in any way helpful for Kit. Okay. That's an interesting thought. Like, there's a fair bit- There's a fair like, part what, of me that's like, actually, Kit, grow up. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, the film is definitely a coming-of-age film, and I think it's it's very heavily a, about, you know, for lack of a better- t- I hate this term, but it's about millennials, you know, who were raised in the 90s and, you know, truly believed that you could get what you wanted. You're amazing. You're the best. Yeah. You can have anything you want. Which I, I actually- Not true. <laughs> well, I actually disagree with the whole idea that- that even happened. I don't think that's quite what happened with millennials. Like, I know where people are coming from when they talk about the snowflake thing. I don't think that's exactly right. That's actually kind of the message at the end is that you can't buy happiness. Buying a unicorn doesn't fix your problems. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with the message. Like, I don't think the message is that having a unicorn will fix all of her problems. She thinks it will and she learns that that's wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, you, you make a good point. It does get turned around right at the end. Yeah. But I suppose, yeah, just the entire time that we're on the journey with her, I'm not actually with her. I'm like, I don't- Nah, Kit. See, I think for me, the thing that stopped my enjoyment of it as a fool, which is when I was talking about that surrealism thing, I'm not sure I needed to see the unicorn. It's funny because the movie plays it so straight in a lot of ways that I- I never questioned that the unicorn was real. I just I just felt like I knew it was, just like Kit did. And so, to me, the aspect of the script that works the least is that later third where, the, where she finally actually tells people, hey, I'm getting a unicorn. And her parents and Virgil are like, no, you're not, you're crazy. To me, that's the bit that works the least because it doesn't, it doesn't lend into what I'm feeling about Kit. I don't think Kit's crazy. I never questioned that the unicorn is real. So, I wish that it had leaned a little bit like, not played it so straight that you believe it. Do you know what I mean? 
I understand what you're saying. It's a complete odds with my experience. With the way you it. felt about from, it. From, from our first scene with Sam Jackson, I'm like, this ain't real. That's that's crazy to me. I, yeah, and I, maybe I never took it remotely literally. See, but maybe it is just because I, I, I find it easy to invest in those surreal universes because it, I, I love them. So, it, like I was saying before about, for example, being John Malkovich, I never question whether or not they're inside John Malkovich's head. As far as I'm concerned, in the universe of the film, they are. And I just felt the exact same way here. I was like, well, it's a unicorn store. She's buying a unicorn. Good for her. But but for me, that actually, I suppose it does feed into, I think the scenes work well when she's telling people because they're like me. Because that, yeah, okay. They're going, yeah, well, that's interesting then that we we kind of have the same feelings, but from the complete opposite perspective. Yeah. Interesting. And, and like, I feel for, in, in that scene with Virgil, for instance, where she yeah. tells him, I feel for her telling Virgil and I feel for Virgil yeah. being told. Yeah. Um, which is credit to the film. Yeah, I, I think that they were both fantastic actors. In fact, that scene in particular where they are in the diner and she tells him and just his facial expression alone, you can see him kind of drop and be like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, let's talk about Sam Jackson. It's kind of great casting and at the same time, it feels very out of place. And yet I thought he, like, he does embody what the owner of a unicorn store would be, I feel. I wouldn't say the performance- Particularly works for me. It's, it's I, I don't weird, think. I don't it? think it's bad. No, but look, if I was the casting director, probably not the direction I'd have gone. Well, see, this is why I just assumed that it was like a side project, like in downtime while filming Captain Marvel, because I was like, otherwise, it's a weird choice to go out of your way and say, "Hey, let's cast Samuel L. Jackson." Yeah, it is weird. It is very, very weird. Yeah, I and. Yeah, like you said, he's he's fine in the scenes, but it do, it does feel very strange. I don't and I don't find Jackson mystical or magical. I mean, it is mystical how he manages to look about twenty five when he's in his late seventies. That's a fair point. There's a lot of mystical things about him. Yeah, he probably drinks unicorn blood. He must. He's doing some Harry Potter shit. That's how the last unicorn died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, here's a question because we kind of touched on it already, where we were talking about you know the themes about buying happiness and stuff. Do you think that his intention was ever actually to sell her a unicorn? Or do you you think that his point was to teach her that you don't need one? Do you think that's why he's got all these tasks that she has to do, for lack of a better word, first? I think the subconscious part of her mind that is the Sam Jackson character- So you still don't think he's real? No. Even though Virgil himself sees the unicorn at the end? Correct. You still th- you think he's just joining in on the hallucination, or you think that he's not like wh- that's all out of the realms of reality for the viewer? It's po- yeah, that section of the film I would read more as just a kind of a, a non literal telling of Virgil buying into Kit, right? The person. So yeah, so for me, the segment of her brain that is Sam Jackson. <laughs> We all have that. <laughs> oh, definitely. We want to scream t- people. About four times a day in my head, I just go, motherfucker. <laughs> um, because I think there's a part of her brain that very, that obviously very much wants it to be real. Then maybe there's like a little defense mechanism against it going, actually, no, don't you need this, this, this is what you actually need is these things. Yeah. Okay. Not a unicorn. So, Which doesn't exist. Okay, so what every person needs then is a good relationship with their parents and a unicorn stable. <laughs> so if, if I do those two things and, and, and some hay- And someone as cool as Virgil yeah, to help you out with it. That's true. 
I want a Virgil in my life. We all do. You're my Virgil. Thanks, mate. <laughs> thanks for thanks for sending that back my way. You're, you're not who I would call to build something. <laughs> You'd be like, I'm pretty busy with the Nintendo. <laughs> I build lots of things. You're being very quiet. <laughs> I'm a little offended. <laughs> I'm just saying I've got, like, other friends who have literally built their houses. All I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, you're not saying I'm bad. You've just said you've got other I'm- friends who are better. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Okay. So, we kind of have similar opinions, but very different opinions. How are you scoring this? Um, I enjoy it. Happy I watched it. Not amazing. Six out of ten. Yeah, okay. I'm a seven. I loved that it was exactly 90 minutes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, bang on 90. <laughs> As you know, that's my dream duration. <laughs> 90 minute film with Brie Larson. You can't get better than that. Brie, I mean, I would have been happy if it was just 90 minutes of Brie Larson just sitting there, not even talking, just sitting in a chair. I don't need to know the details. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think it was a really, really strong directorial debut. As I said, I, I, for me, it could have done with either more or less surrealism. Either pick one and just lean right into it. Go full batshit Charlie Kaufman or just play it a little bit more straight coming of age story. But- I really, really enjoyed it. Do you know who else was great? The, oh. the other person in the office that does the presentation with her. Yeah. She was- fa- I, don't, I'm not, I don't know her name. Yeah. But fantastic. And the other- the, the guy who does the presentation with her, the, the delivery guy, is Dick from Veronica Mars, which I know you haven't watched Veronica Mars because no. you think Kristen Bell is an old woman. It's not, not a fact. You've said that so many times. It's not a fact. So, uh, this is- oh, come on. So, you, you rag on me for not liking Elizabeth Debicki being tall- but I bring up something you've said several times in the past. And you're like, no, that's not true. But that's not what I've said. Oh, really? Yeah. Tell me what you think of Kristen Bell. I think Kristen Bell is talented and gorgeous. What oh, I th- now you're saying she's gorgeous. I've never not said that. What I've said that you fail to grasp, apparently, <laughs> is that I think Kristen Bell looks like, like, let's say when Kristen Bell was 22, yeah. she looked like someone who was actually in their mid-30s, but so good-looking that they still look like they're 22. I'm going to take that on board next time I see Kristen Bell and think about that. You do that. Okay. You're basic. <laughs> but anyway, he was hilarious, mostly just because he he seemed like he was playing his character from Veronica Mars, because obviously he's a high school student then. So thinking about him 20 years later as a delivery guy was great. Means nothing, nothing to me. <laughs> means nothing to you. Hopefully it means something to someone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just nodding. <laughs> so all in all, that's a it's a recommend. It's a recommend. Yeah. What are we going to do next week, buddy? Next week? Keeping on the indie train? I don't think so. What are you thinking of? Endgame? Yes. <laughs> Endgame. <laughs> That's right. Little we, movie. <laughs> we are lucky. Brie Larson. I still haven't seen her in a trailer at all. I'm assuming that there are new trailers that she's in. That Yes, I have seen her in a trailer. Because the only trailer I've seen was the first one, which isn't very good. Yeah. I am excited, though. I'm not. Really? Yeah, I'm just not. Is that- to do with the trailers that you've seen or? Uh, yeah, expectation of how good I think it'll be and probably very real comic book fatigue. Okay. Like, yeah. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to not enjoy it, but I'm not pumped. Okay. So, that's next week. Episode might be a little bit later than usual because we usually drop at midnight Thursday. We're seeing it Wednesday, but we'll record Thursday morning. So, expect it sometime. You'll get it day. when you get it, people. <laughs> You'll get what you get and you won't be upset. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dad in me coming out. 
<laughs> All right. So that's next week. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you know that we watch the thing.com or we watch the thing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at we watch the thing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash we watch the thing. And in the meantime, go watch, go a, watch movie. a movie. It's my thing now. <laughs> See ya. Is this is this an animal rights thing? <laughs> I couldn't give a shit about what happens to a make believe animal. I stress make believe. Boss just walked in. <laughs> Hazards of recording at work. These people have no respect for us. No.